Well, it was not a hard thing to do to choose a theme to, to speak about tonight. And so all afternoon, I've been thinking about the theme of Christmas. I was thinking of it before this afternoon, too. But this afternoon sort of put the screws to it. I had to get something ready in order to bring you a, a message about Christmas. Um, I think that Christmas happens one day a year. And oftentimes we have maybe two Sundays that we focus on Christmas, two Sundays that we sing Christmas carols and so forth. And then after that, uh, we wait for another year to come back to it. But it's such an important holiday. It is a, it is a, a holiday, a holy day, uh, and along with Easter, which uh, are, are at the top of our important dates on our Christian calendar. Uh, and so I think it would be good for us just to... Th- to think through some ideas of Christmas. And I got to say that um, when, when you talk about Christmas, I guess there's very little that you don't know about Christmas. Uh, we, we hear about it, we talk about it, we sing about it. And so uh, almost every angle of Christmas has been uh, investigated and thought through. But um, this is God's Word. It's a living Word, and uh, we never exhaust the living, living Word of God. So I'd like to just go into the Word again and uh, talk about some of the things that uh, seem to come to the fore as we talk about uh, this theme of Christmas. Um, in, in, in the scheme of things, uh, before Christmas Day arrived, there have been 400 years of silence in the Bible. Uh, God did not speak through prophets. There were no signs or miracles or anything that took place uh, before Christmas. And it, and, and it happened uh, for over 400 years that there was nothing, nothing that was happening, no voices from heaven. And so um, uh, when, when this event came about, it was it was. I guess I would say it was unexpected. Um, But it was a big event. And uh, one of the last things that was said in the Old Testament was found in Malachi chapter 3, verse 1, where uh, God said that before the great day of the Lord, he's going to send Elijah. And uh, John the Baptist was that Elijah that was sent. But other than that, there was very little other said for 400 years about this subject of Christmas. And so... If you try to look behind the scenes uh, of this event, you would see a lot of things happening. For instance, there are angels who are standing at the ready. Angels have a lot to do with Christmas. And they, they, are, they are going to be assigned and appointed to do certain things and speak to certain people and, and, and just kind of make this event uh, transpire. Um, and so... Um, as we open up this, this Christmas story, I'm going to have you look at Luke chapter 1, verse 5. And we're going to go between Luke and Matthew quite often tonight. So let's begin with Luke chapter 1, verse 5. And I want you to think about the fact that it, this is like ev- any other ordinary day. There's a man named Zacharias who goes to work. And uh, little did he know what was about to happen, but... Uh, he was a priest in the temple. He went to the temple on a regular basis in his course, as they call it. They had cycles of priests that would come in and out and do the ministry in the temple. And uh, on this particular day, 
he is in the temple, he's in the holy place, and he's ministering, and uh, he's praying, but he's also offering incense on the altar of incense. And that is uh, to illustrate, signify that the prayers of the saints going up and blessing the nostrils of God. And so that's what he's doing. And he's done this many, many times before. It's just kind of an ordinary day of going to work. And little did he know what was, ex- what was waiting for him that particular day. Nor did he know anything about what was going to be happening in the next few weeks and months. But in Luke chapter 1, verse uh, 5, we read, There was in the days of Herod, the king of Judah, a certain priest named Zacharias. Even here, it's, it's not particularly explicit. We wouldn't know anything at all about Zacharias. Uh, he was just another priest. God had something special for him, so now we know who he is, but it's, it's a little bit like a little town of Bethlehem. Who knew what Bethlehem was before the birth of Jesus and before it was uh, celebrated as part of the Christmas story? And so there are many things that are just kind of not anything out of the ordinary. This was just a man, a priest, of course, a special uh, a calling he had, but this is just another day in the life of Zacharias. And so uh, he was of the course of Abiah, and his wife uh, was of the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. They were both righteous before God, walking in all commandments and ordinances of the Lord, blameless. And they had no child because Elizabeth was barren. They were both now well stricken in years. So uh, this is a familiar story of others too. Sarah in the Old Testament, uh, she never expected what happened. She had a son in her old age. So Elizabeth and Zacharias had been praying for, for children uh, their prayers just didn't seem to be heard. But once again, on this particular day, Zacharias was in the temple and he was praying. And um, it came to pass that while he executed the priest's office before God in the order of his course, according to the custom of the priest's office, his lot was to burn incense when he went into the temple of the Lord. And the whole multitude of people were praying outside at the time of incense. Now, here's where it gets interesting. Here's where his day becomes unusual. And there appeared unto him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. An angel standing there. This never happened to him before. When Zacharias saw him, he was troubled. Fear fell upon him. The angel said unto him, Fear not, Zacharias, for your prayer is heard, and your wife Elizabeth shall bear a son Interesting, too, here and with Jesus, the angel names the child. It's the angel who said, you're going to call his name John. And so there's more information. You'll have joy and gladness. Many shall rejoice at his birth. He shall be great in the sight of the Lord. He shall drink neither wine nor strong drink. He shall be filled with the Holy Ghost even from his mother's womb. And so in this prelude to the incarnation, this is one of the events that takes place. There's an angel that appears to this man on an ordinary day, a common day, when he goes to work, does what he's done so often before. And now this angel comes and stands before him. It says the angel of the Lord, but in verse 19, we, more, we have more specific information about this angel. The angel, um, well, first, verse 18, Zacharias said unto the angel, how shall I know this? For I'm an old man, and my wife is well stricken in years. The angel answering said unto him, I am Gabriel. 
I am Gabriel, and I stand in the presence of God, and I have been sent to you to show you these glad tidings. So, Zacharias wants to know, well, how will I know this is true? And the angel identifies himself as Gabriel. Gabriel, whose position is to stand in the presence of God, and when God says go, Gabriel goes. And when God sends Gabriel with a message, he takes a message. In this case, the message was to go to Zacharias, meet him in the uh, holy place by the altar of incense, and tell him that his prayers are answered, that he is going to have a child. Um, And then we know the rest of the story. Uh, Because he didn't believe immediately, the angel Gabriel told him that he was going to be dumb. That is, he was not going to be able to speak. He wasn't able to speak until after his child was born, nine months later, and then after he was circumcised. Finally, his tongue was loosed and he was able to speak. Now, outside... Um, the, 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 uh, altar, the temple, there was a crowd waiting for him. They were wondering, well, why is it taking so long? What's going on? And uh, when he went out to tell them what was going on, he, he couldn't speak. And when the time came for John to be born, uh, John's, uh, uh, rather, uh, Elizabeth and Zacharias's family and friends, they had a name all picked out for him. They were going to name him after his father, Zacharias. And Zacharias said, no, 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 he couldn't speak. Don't forget, he can't speak. But he said, no, no, no. And he made signs, and he took a paper, and he wrote down, his name is John. 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 You don't have anyone in your family named John. Why would you call him John? His mouth was opened. He was able to speak, and he told them that the angel came and told him to name his child John. Um, so, in Luke one twenty four. We find out after those days, his wife, Elizabeth, conceived. She hid herself five months, saying, Thus has the Lord dealt with me in the days wherein he looked upon me to take away my reproach among men. And so I I, I don't know why she hid herself for all of those months. She hid herself for five months. You know, if I were teaching a class, I would open it up and say to you, what, what are, what's your opinion? Why do you think that she was hiding for five months? Okay, so pretend you're a class. <laughs> why, why do you think she was hiding? I don't know the answer to this. You know, we learn from one another. Dan. Oh. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think Mary. I'm sorry? Oh, well, no, she was married. This is Elizabeth. Yeah, yeah. So, so she was clear. She was clear. The only odd thing about her is that she was so old. I don't know how old, but nevertheless, she was, she was older than a, a woman ordinarily would be in having a child. And maybe there was something with that, too. But anyway, she hid herself five months. Now, we move on, and we're still looking at the prelude to the incarnation. By the way, the word incarnation, incarnation, carne is meat or flesh, and incarnation is the word which t- helps us to understand what happened when God became flesh. He was incarnated, made, made into flesh. But we read on. And in the sixth month, now, so Elizabeth now has been uh, with child now for six months. And 
In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel, there he is again, was sent from God unto a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin, espoused to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. Now, I want to stop here. And again, if this were a class, I want you to use your imagination. Again, this is another ordinary day. I mean, the, 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 the phenomenon of an angel appearing to Zacharias is now five or six months behind them. And so it's, it's kind of old news. And so here's Mary, a uh, young lady living at home with her parents, no doubt. And uh, she's going about her work, her daily activities. She's doing whatever she did, cleaning the house, washing the dishes. Uh, I don't know, probably singing as she goes. She's a, she's a godly young woman. And... Uh, I think what she has on her mind this day is that Joseph has proposed to her. And a young lady who has been proposed to has nothing else on her mind except that big day, that big wedding day when it finally takes place. So the Bible doesn't say that, but that's likely one of the things she had on her mind. But she's going around the house and dusting and sweeping and cleaning and washing dishes and there's a knock on the door. I'll get it. (laughs) So she goes to the door and opens the door. And what do you see? Gabriel. Gabriel, an angel, an angel of the Lord sent to, what's the name of that town again? Oh, um, Nazareth. Nazareth, yeah. It's a little tiny village. And who would have thought that there would be an angel, not only in in Nazareth, but an angel at her house, standing at her door. The angel came in unto her. (laughs) He walked right in and said, Hail, thou that art highly favored, the Lord is with you. Blessed art thou among women. When she saw him, she was troubled at his sake. I don't know what your Bible says or what version your Bible has and what it says. But this word troubled means she was, she was as frightened as she could possibly be. She just never expected this. And here is this, this angel, angel, Gabriel nonetheless. By the way, we won't look at it, but Gabriel appears other times in scriptures at very, very important events. He appears twice in the book of Daniel, helping Daniel to interpret dreams, dreams that have to do with the, the future of the world's economy and the world's, uh, uh, the world's powers. But Gabriel was back there, but now Gabriel, not only has he visited Zacharias, but now six months later, here he is in Nazareth, standing at, Elizabeth, at Mary's door. By the way, Mary is up in Nazareth. The angel Gabriel went to Zacharias in the temple at Jerusalem. This will be important. 80 miles between Nazareth and Jerusalem. But we'll get to that a little bit later. So um, when she saw him, verse 29, she was troubled at his saying and cast in her mind what what manner of salutation this should be. Her mind was whirring and whizzing and thinking and pondering and how in the world could this be? Who, 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 what's going on? You, 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 you got to understand what was, what was happening. It wasn't just 
opening the door and there's Gabriel and you are highly favored among uh, women. It was something really out of, the, out of this world, out of the ordinary. Fear not, Mary, you have found favor with God. You'll conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and you'll call his name Jesus. Now this is still prelude to the incarnation. This is what happened uh, months before the actual birth of Jesus. And so uh, not only do, does the angel name him, Gabriel has already named John. Now Gabriel says to Mary, you're going to have a son, and his name is Jesus. Why, by, by the way, why, why the name Jesus? What does it mean? His name is Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. He shall be great, shall be called the Son of the Highest. And the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David, he'll reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there shall be no end. Now, I want to stop here again. Mary was a thinking woman. Several times in the Bible it says she pondered these things. She thought about these things. She, she kind of thought, she, she weighed one against the other. She was always thinking. When the shepherds left, she kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. So she was a woman who was, who was uh, always thinking. I believe, too, that she was a godly woman. And I have an idea that um, when the angel said to her, uh, this is the son of the highest, the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. He'll reign over the house of Jacob forever. Of his kingdom there shall be no end. I have an idea that Mary turned back to the Old Testament. And we're, we're not going to turn there because we'll, we'll run out of time if we do. But I'm sure that Mary went back to the Old Testament and started looking at these prophecies about uh, the Messiah, the coming Messiah. I think she likely, I don't know, but I think she probably went to Isaiah 53. When she realized that her child is the son of the highest, the son of God, and that he was promised to, uh, to ascend to the throne and maintain the throne forever and ever, the throne of his father, David. He's of the house and the lineage of David. The throne that was promised to David, and God told David that his seed will take the throne, uh, rule over Israel, rule over the world forever and ever. Mary said, oh, wow, that's what God told David. And now here's the angel telling me that I'm going to have God's son. I'm going to have that one that was promised who's going to rule over the house of David forever. Can you imagine how overwhelmed she must have been? The other thing, again, I think turning back into the Old Testament, I suspect she searched the prophets. Uh, and again, it doesn't say this, but this is, this is likely what happened. If she knows she's going to be having the Son of God, what does the Bible say? What have the prophets said about this coming Son of God? And as she searched Isaiah 53, would you turn there with me? I know that you, you know what it says, but let's look at it together again. In Isaiah 53, what did uh, Isaiah say about this child that a virgin was going to bear? Um, a virgin shall conceive. And Isaiah 53, if Mary read this, uh, verse 2, he'll grow up before him as a tender plant, as a root out of dry ground. He has no form nor comeliness. 
I don't know again what your translation says, but what this says is that there's nothing spectacular to look at when you see this child. Now, all babies are cute, aren't they? They say all babies are cute, but I don't know. This, this seems to indicate that there was nothing outstanding, no form or comeliness. There was no beauty that we should desire him. So this, this, this child that Mary's going to have, she already knows, is not going to be a good looker by any means. Does that sound wrong to say that? Well, that's what the Bible says, so that's what I'm going to say. He has no form nor comeliness. Um, when we see him, there's no beauty that we should desire him. Now look at this. So he's despised and rejected of men. Well, that's not very good news when you have a brand new mother just told she's going to have a baby. Uh, the prophet Isaiah said when he comes, he's not going to be very good looking, and he's also going to be despised and rejected of men. He's going to be a man of sorrows. He's going to be acquainted with grief. We esteemed him not. We thought nothing of him. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we did esteem him stricken. Now get this. Do you know what it says next? Smitten of God. And afflicted. So the angel Gabriel tells Mary, You're going to be bearing, you're going to give birth to the Son of God. And the prophet said, He's going to be stricken, He's going to be smitten of God and afflicted. This is not a very welcome birth announcement, is it? Wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our, our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes, with his stripes, we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Now, again, I, I don't know that Mary actually went back and looked at all of that, but if. If you receive such incredible news such as Gabriel gave to Mary, wouldn't you want to know everything you could know about him? And it's not out of the uh, realm of possibility that, that, that Mary would go to the Old Testament and look up every prophecy that she could ever find about this coming Messiah. So... Um, but Mary has another problem, as, as, as we well know. Uh, the angel said she was going to be bearing a child, but she's a virgin. Now, how does this come about? Verse 34, Luke chapter 1. Mary said to the angel, how shall this be, seeing I know not a man? The angel answered and said to her, the Holy Ghost shall come upon you, the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore, that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. Have you ever considered the biology of the incarnation? I, I don't know quite how this all came together, but I know that in order for a child to be conceived, there must be sperm and egg come together. That's ordinary circumstances. And I know there was an egg, but then there's this operation of the Holy Spirit so that this person who is going to be conceived in the womb is God and man. God and man come together in one cell 
And that cell is the fullness of God in flesh. That one cell contained all the fullness of God come together in Mary's womb. Now that could occupy our thoughts for a very, very long time. Uh, How big is that cell uh, which contains the egg and the sperm when it first uh, conceived? How big is that? And and, and what would the expectations be? I... um, there's so many places we could go here, but in Colossians uh, 2, verse 9, it says that in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead in a little tiny cell, bodily. Isn't that fantastic? Isn't that amazing? How God became a man, the incarnation, when God became flesh, he came through Mary's womb as a tiny cell. You know, the Holy Spirit gave life to Mary's womb. When the Holy Spirit comes into us, when we accept Christ as our Savior, when the Spirit of God indwells us, He gives us new life. He gives us a new birth. We are born again when the Spirit of God comes in us just the way Mary's uh, womb conceived and bore the Son of God. There was new birth that took place in her womb because of the work of the Holy Spirit within her. And so, uh, now we see, too, that he'll he'll be called the Son of God. He is called the Son of God. Now, there's more more to this this prelude to the incarnation. Because now we move on. We go in chapter 1 of Luke um, to um, um, verse 36. Behold, your cousin Elizabeth... She has also conceived a son in her old age. This is the sixth month, sixth month with her, who is called barren. Now, so they live 80 miles apart. Don't, don't, don't forget that. And they didn't have modern conveniences or modern technology or modern communication or anything. We don't even know if Mary at this time knew that her cousin Elizabeth was pregnant and that she was already six months along. Maybe she did, maybe she didn't. I don't know. Um, But now she knows because the angel Gabriel is informing Mary that your cousin, who lives all the way down there in Jerusalem, she is also pregnant. And she is way beyond childbearing age. Believe it or not, she is going to have a son. And so um, she was already in her sixth month. And, uh, And with God, nothing is impossible. Mary said, Behold the handmaid of the Lord. Be it to me according to thy word. The angel departed from her. Um, Now, here's something interesting. Mary arose in those days and went into the hill country with haste into the city of Judah and entered into the house of Zacharias and saluted Elizabeth. How far is it from Nazareth to Jerusalem? 80 miles. Don't overlook that. So she finds out she's pregnant. Her cousin is six months pregnant. Mary runs as fast as she can go or rides as fast as she can go, but she's going to take an 80-mile journey over those dusty, rough roads, dangerous roads, and she's going to go down 80 miles to visit Elizabeth. Did, did, did you realize that that's part of the Christmas story? I mean, uh, where, where, what's 80 miles from here? Pittsburgh, I don't know, something like that. But suppose you, you find out that you're going to have a baby, and you're not married, by the way. 
And I think I'm going to take a walk to Pittsburgh and visit with my cousin. 80 miles, she goes. Well, she, uh, uh, when she went into the house, uh, Elizabeth greeted her. She greeted Elizabeth. And John jumped in her womb. Uh, we won't get into that. I don't know all that that means. But there was a recognition on the part of this, this six-month-old infant in her womb, recognizing that in, in this visitor, Mary, there was another child, and that was the Son of God. Somehow there was a recognition there. And so um, they have a conversation going on, and then Mary does what is called the Magnificat. My soul does ma- uh, magnify the Lord. And so she has this wonderful, wonderful hymn of praise about what God has done for her. Um, we got to talk about Joseph, too. Prelude to the Incarnation. So the angel Gabriel visited Mary. The angel Gabriel visited Zacharias and Elizabeth. But Joseph is kind of hanging in the lurch now because he knows that his girlfriend, to whom he has proposed, is pregnant. Ah, but Gabriel has the answer for that too. He goes to visit Joseph and he said, Don't be afraid to take her unto yourself as your wife because that which is conceived of her is born of the Holy Spirit. So, uh, Gabriel was very important messenger in all of this, in this prelude uh, to the incarnation. So, Mary stays with Elizabeth for three months. I suspect she stayed until John was born. Elizabeth was in the sixth month when Mary went to visit her. She stays three months, and I suspect that John is born during that time. So, Mary gets to see her new nephew. And then do you know what she does? Back up the road, 80 miles to her home. That's, that's unbelievable. All right. What else happens? Um, when we say that Jesus came about because of, of the Spirit of God coming, meeting with Mary, overpowering Mary, and conceiving this Son of God in her womb. Do you ever wonder what his DNA was? You ever wonder what his blood type was? I mean, he had to have a blood type. He had to have DNA. But it would be interesting to know that. I don't know that we can ever know it. But, you know, he's a man. He's a human being. And he's got, he's, in, he's just like we are. Except he's also God. He's the, the hypostatic union, if you've ever heard that word. The union of God and man. He's all God. He is all man. And he is just like us. But he's just like God. So that's the child that's going to be born. Now, um, time goes by, and what do you know? Luke chapter 2. Came to pass in those days, now Mary is in her eighth month or thereabouts. Um, And so they get a tax notice in the mail. And so everyone has got to go to their hometown to be taxed. So they live in Nazareth, and Jerusalem is 80 miles. Bethlehem is about 8 to 10 more miles, and she is in her ninth month of pregnancy. Now they have to go pay their taxes. She travels 90 miles from Nazareth down to Bethlehem, being great with child. Isn't that incredible? But it was God's time. 
in the fullness of time, God brought forth his son. So um, they, they went to be taxed to their own city. Joseph went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth under the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, uh, to be taxed with Mary, his espoused wife being great with child. And the time came at that point where she should be delivered. Um, there's so much to be said here, and I'm not going to be able to say it all, but... Um, um, The time came for her to be delivered. How do you think she was doing uh, physically uh, after a journey of 90 miles? Maybe on a donkey or maybe walking. I don't know. Did they pull her in a car? Anyway, it must have been five, six, seven days. I don't know. But that's a long journey, being that pregnant. They finally arrive, and you know the story. They can't get a place to stay. Nothing is open. Uh, The city is crowded with people who have come to pay their taxes. It's a nightmare. It's a mess. And there they are, tired from their journey. And finally, they're shown uh, to a a stable. And that'll have to be good enough. They accept the stable. They go into the stable. And the time came that she should be delivered. It wasn't a sanitary place. It wasn't a hospital. It didn't have doctors standing by. It didn't have any of the modern conveniences. It didn't have hot running water or anything like that. It was a stable. And it smelled like a stable, we can presume. Again, we're making some things up here, but it, it was a stable. And so now the time comes after this long journey. She's tired. She's worn out. Oh, to get a night of rest. But it doesn't happen if you give birth. That's what they tell me anyway. I never did it, but... When a woman gives birth, it's a very, very trying time, especially the first child. This is her first child. Can you imagine how she felt? <laughs> oh. And um, so the baby's born, and wouldn't you know it, they got visitors. Who are they? The shepherds. And how did the shepherds know about it? Well, the angels were involved. The angel came to the shepherds on the hillside and said, in the city of David, there's a Savior born who is Christ the Lord. And suddenly the sky was filled with a multitude of angels, myriads of angels that appeared to the shepherds on the hillside that time, uh, saying, not singing, saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill to men. Now that would be interesting to break that down, exactly why they sang that. But anyway, the angels who have left their glory in heaven to come down to a hillside outside of, uh, of Bethlehem, a, a, a place that had hardly a, a dot on the map. It was an insignificant place. And who did they go to? Shepherds, insignificant people in that day. The angels came to the shepherds and said, I got news for you. In, just over there in, in Bethlehem, there's been a baby born, and he is... He, he, he is the Son of God. You'll, find, you'll know it's Him because He'll be wrapped in loose cloths and swaddling clothes, swaddling clothes and lying in the manger. So the shepherds ran. It says they hasted and they came to the stable and they went into the stable. Do you think Mary was glad to see them? I doubt it. We don't know. Maybe she was. I don't know. But it seems to me when you put all this together, that was a pretty trying night for her. I mean, all that distance, 90 miles, uh, she gives birth to her first child. Wouldn't it be nice to just be alone with 
the baby in Joseph. Wouldn't that be nice? That didn't happen that way. These filthy shepherds, smelly shepherds, these these people who you wish they'd just go away, but they didn't because God gave them a message and they came and celebrated. And isn't, isn't it interesting that when, when God... When God has something special, it's not always for the kings and the, and the potentates. God has something special for, for you and me, for common people. And that's what was demonstrated that night when these shepherds were told by the angels, go to Bethlehem, see this child. And again, I, I, I want to give Mary credit. Perhaps he was very glad to see the shepherds. I don't know, but I just wonder when I think about how... how, how uh, Difficult it must have been those days for her traveling all that distance. But there they are. The shepherds are there and they are uh, excited to see the baby and they run out and they tell everybody about this child that's been born. Um, when you look at the itinerary of the, uh, of the uh, incarnation, the, the itinerary, uh, we've already said that Mary went from uh, uh, from Nazareth to Jerusalem to see Elizabeth. Then she went back again. Now she has gone from Nazareth down to Bethlehem, 90 miles again, this time to pay the taxes. And uh, it says that uh, the time came when um, that, that she had to go back up to Jerusalem because after 60 days, there's a, there's a, What's it called? There's a sacrifice that has to be made after she gave birth to this to this boy. So she's got to go back up to Jerusalem again and make another sacrifice. And this was a, this was the uh, the household of, of of Joseph. And I'm thinking that Bethlehem might have had some family members living there because that's where he came from originally. So we don't know that, but uh, she had to have a place to stay for at least eight days so the child was circumcised and then another 30 days or more until they had to, this, this purification sacrifice. So there they were. Now, at this point, I, I'm not sure what happens. I suspect they eventually went back up to, to uh, Nazareth. I don't know that. But every year they would go to the temple. They have to go to the temple every year for the Passover. So for the next two or three years, they're going down to the temple. And, and it happens that one time while they were at the temple was about the same time that the wise men came. We think the wise men probably came about two years after the birth of Jesus. That's why Pharaoh killed the children under two years of age when, they, when he was looking to kill the king who was born king of the Jews. And so Pharaoh's killed the, 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 the children two years of age or younger. So it, it might mean that that uh, when they came back to Jerusalem to pay to, to, for the feast of the Passover, it might have been about two years later. But while they were there, an, another angel came, and the angel said to Joseph, "Get to Egypt, get down to Egypt, because Pharaoh wants to kill your child. Not Pharaoh, uh, uh, Herod. Herod wants to kill your child." So. I don't know what part of Egypt they went to. There's one Google <laughs> that we did today that says from, from Bethlehem to Egypt is, is about 100 miles. No, no, 400 miles. I don't know how far they went into Egypt, but I know that there was another very, 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 very long trip that was added to their already extensive itinerary. They went down to Egypt uh, to escape the, uh, the, the, the threats of, of uh, Herod. And... Some time later, they went back up, 
And, and, and the angel came again. The angel came again and said, okay, Herod is dead. You can go back home now. And so they went and they had to go around Jerusalem because they were still afraid of what was going to happen. So they went from all the way down from Egypt all the way back home to Nazareth. Did you ever try to calculate how many miles are involved in the itinerary of the incarnation? Miles and miles and miles they traveled. It's amazing, isn't it? I think, so these are, these are some of the stories that, that come out of this amazing uh, uh, story about the, the incarnation. Um, well, I, I think we'll end the story there. Only to say this and to make an application if we can. It was an ordinary day in Bethlehem when uh, Joseph went to work, or when uh, yeah, Zacharias went to work. It was an ordinary day in Nazareth when Mary got up in the morning and started her housework. But suddenly something came into their lives which changed their lives forever. And I sometimes wonder, um, is, is almost every day for us is an ordinary day. We get up and we do the things we do every day. We go to work, we do the housework, we take care of the kids, we go to school, we... We supervise the school. We do the things that we do. Ordinary days. But Jesus is coming. There's going to be something happen sometime in the future, and we believe it's close, when the heavens will open and the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel. And he will take up those who are in the graves and carry them up to the air, and then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together to meet the Lord in the air it was an ordinary day until the, until the Lord came back. And I just trust that as we spend our ordinary days that we don't get too far uh, in our thoughts away from the fact that, that Jesus is coming again. He's coming to take us and receive us unto himself. And, and where he is, we shall be also. And so shall we ever, ever be with the Lord. I hope that all of you are ready. And as you go through your ordinary days, keep your eyes uh, fixed on heavens. He's coming back soon. Lord, thank you for all you do for us. Thank you for your great love for us. Thank you for coming as a man, a man who by ordinary appearances didn't appear to be very much. He was not esteemed. He was not received. He was rejected of men. He was a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief. And Lord, why should we even pay attention to him except he was God? He came um, to live among us, uh, not for the glory, Lord, but for the cross. And we thank you, Lord, that he went to the cross. He was esteemed, uh, not, uh, he was smitten of God for our behalf, and he took our sins, and for that we're thankful. In Jesus' name, amen.